You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Lots going on here. By the way, have you seen our latest piece on the original YouTube channel? It is a piece we kind of put together on a whim because we had the BMW M240 showing up, and we had a big discussion internally about what do we put this with, what do we shoot it with. We wound up with a 911, a new car versus used car discussion. A lot of people have watched it. I hope you have. We realized the actual competitor to that M240, mm-hmm. the all-wheel all-wheel drive, drive one, yes. is the Challenger V6 all-wheel drive. Which, which nobody's going to watch that. The, the Dodge people don't care, and the BMW <laughs> people are like, what are you doing? So there's no audience for that, sadly. So we didn't do that. But it is playing pretty well on the original channel. We hope you'll watch that. Of course, we have more test drives coming as well. Lots of test drives coming in the near future that are EVs. Many of you have asked for us to get an EVs, and they're doing that thing we've talked about. They're trucking out a bunch of EVs mm-hmm. so we can have them. So mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Other things going on, uh, let's see, we have a South Meetup in Austin right before Thanksgiving. If you go to the everydaydriver.com website right now, go to the Adventures tab, you can find our South Meetup in the Austin area. All the registration information is there. That is available for a meetup on Friday, November 18th. So you can certainly go there and check. Good news, everyone. Cadillac is building hatchbacks. That's not the way I expected you to go into that conversation, but you're right. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 600 horsepower, four-door hatchback. What's not to like? True. I also want to say that this is the same Cadillac who we recently drove the Lyric, and all of our conversation was, this is really a lot of value for money. This is really affordable. Look at how much Cadillac is like right in the middle of the pack yeah. on price. Agreed. And now they've reset themselves. The Celestique EV is 600 mm-hmm. horsepower, has 300 miles of range, but the problem is it costs $300,000. Not very every day. It's not really that. But I like that they're throwing down. Mm -hmm. The marketing materials indicate that futurism meets avant-garde. Technology that advances the future by emboldening humanity is the greatest luxury of all, says the brochure. Mm. And I'm wrong. Here I thought the greatest luxury of all is time. But again, (laughs) I'm wrong. Well, you know. So... Future Cadillacs, whose names will end with the letter Q, since that seems to be now the yes, trend. Lyric, Celestique. Is Q-A-J-A-Q. This is the word for kayak in Greenland. <laughs> this will be a lifted electric SUV with giant fender flares, 37-inch super swampers, and a papoose for your outdoor gear. You worked hard on this. I'm impressed. I hope Cadillac is listening. We're doing product planning right now. Cadillac builds the king of the hammers with cup holders and leather and Apple CarPlay. <laughs> okay. How can that not sell? Sure. And then also there's the Kamotik, K-A-M-O-T-I-Q. This is the Inuit word for sled with wooden runners. And this will be Cadillac's latest electric lowrider. Don't you think they need a lowrider? Sure. An EV that can scrape along the ground and generate static electricity to recharge itself. Wow, you have given this some thought. I'm very impressed, so it actually. It keeps with the theme yes. of uh-huh. words that end with Q. Well, but see, the thing is, they're also just making up words that end in Q. So anything that has a, a, a <laughs> K true. or C sound, you can just fake it with a Q you on the end. You just add Q yeah. instead, mm-hmm. not contrived at all. But nevertheless, like I said, with the Celestique, I'm glad that Cadillac is positioning themselves or repositioning themselves yeah. 
kind of to what everybody always associated with Cadillac, and that is the best. Yeah, that was actually part of their discussion about kind of justifying, and I, you can't you can't see me try to get through the word justifying <laughs> with a straight face. But anyway, justifying this three hundred thousand dollar plus uh, figure here is because they are trying to take Cadillac back to in people's mind bespoke. How would you like yeah. your Cadillac, sir? Yes. Okay. So what's interesting Within is this limited range of catalog of materials. Choose yes. according to what your preferences are. Yes, but but contrast this with the recent Rolls-Royce that was just released that looks like a phantom or a ghost, but in EV form. Now, I think that's successful, too, and mm-hmm. I think that makes sense for Rolls-Royce. But Rolls-Royce is known for this price point, and they're known for lots of luxury. So Cadillac comes in swinging elbows trying to be at this place, which is not a realistic place for any of us listening and having a real conversation. But from going to a place of saying, fully custom, how would you like this, and looking like nothing else. It is a throwdown. My my real question, because I think it's, I'm thrilled Cadillac has actually done this. Great, yeah. My real question is, how many customers are really out there? I mean, it says very low quantities, hand-built. By the way, hand-built doesn't always mean the best. True. It can mean imperfections, and that's why you buy it, because yeah. it's hand-built. And I also wonder what the margin is on this car. Is this going to be a GM car that cost them $80,000 to make? <coughs> Volkswagen Phaeton. <coughs> and, and, well, yeah. But, <coughs> well, yeah. caught in my throat. Totally, yeah. But I'm wondering about the margin. Is it going to be a car that, that you get in it and you go, wow, okay, $300,000. I mean, here's the thing. As much as the Rolls-Royce is ridiculously expensive and absurd, mm-hmm. if you climb in a Rolls-Royce and you just don't even drive it, just sit in it and feel the materials and feel how the way the buttons compress and, and, and the interaction of that car, you go, I see why this is wickedly expensive. Sure. Is this Cadillac going to pull that off? Because I think it needs to. If it feels oh, like you bought an $80,000 GM product and he's paid $300,000, these will fall right on their face. But if they yeah. can actually pull off something yeah. that feels like it's worth the price point and it is exclusive, I think people will show up. I just don't know how many. So far, the instrument panel is a little too simplistic for my taste because of the price point. Sure. If this were eighty to $100,000, i would think a full-length screen? Okay, we'll go with it. And another one in the center, fine. But it seems a little bit too clean and simple. I need more materials. I need more warmth and inviting. Mm. And it needs to do a lot. Of course, we have not driven one. I wonder what movie this Celestique will land in. Yeah, it, it's, and it's interesting that it has this this hatchback shape, this wagon shape. Tell me, Cadillac's building hot hatches. We, we keep talking about the fact that wagons are such a hard thing to get Americans to get serious about. Here is one of the best-known American brands, and their Halo throwdown car is a wagon. Wagon hatch. I'm Hatchy surprised. Wagon. I'm surprised, yeah. but I think it's intriguing. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year, Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace. Take a look around. We think you'll love it. The first debate today comes from Justin in Wisconsin, who is wanting to buy a future hand-me-down. Interesting. Okay. Here's Justin's dilemma. He travels for sales and covers about 50,000 miles per year, which means he has a lot of time to consume podcasts. (laughs) If only we did. Oh, wait, we do. That's right. If only. Okay, yeah. He needs a comfortable seat with great lumbar. 
He also has a heavy foot, not for track days, but he loves torque pushing you into the seat. He has been driving his Silverado for the past few years, which is approaching 200,000 highway miles. It's got a lot of life left. And he does all his own maintenance as well as several upgrades. The truck dynos just shy of 700 brake horsepower. Wow, okay. It's short of a Raptor or a TRX. That's amazing. This is a diesel with a tune. I wonder if it rolls coal. I'm sorry I have to ask the question. <laughs> well, man, man in Lotus with the top off talking. I have to admit. You know, I, I, yeah, for anyway, sure. Yeah. That's a valid question. He says this is the long haul commuter. He loves his truck and he wants to preserve it. He does need it for truck things and he needs it for legitimate work tasks about 20% of the time. Okay. And he's only ever really had trucks because of that 20% other than the Camaro we had in high school, which he wrapped around a tree. <laughs> that's not, that's not got it wrapped. No, no, no. He didn't wrapped get, around a tree. He gift wrapped yeah, it around uh-huh. a tree. His minister of finance has a Ford edge that is paid for. And at this point, she's indifferent. <laughs> Justin, but she probably doesn't want to hear more about cars. That's probably where she also is. Well, here's the kicker. Justin's son is about 18 months from getting his learner's permit. Mm. So they would like him to have a third car, like to have a third car for him to drive that will be safe, reliable, and teenager appropriate, which is not a Camaro. Uh, yeah, I can understand why. Although yes. you understand, Justin, your son can point to you and say, well, mm-hmm. dad, you had a Camaro in high school, so what the heck? But he's saying only briefly until I wrapped it around a tree, oh, and then so. the forest had a Camaro, so we're not doing that. <laughs> Front or all-wheel drive, something sedan-like, nothing that he'll feel bad about if it bounces off a shopping cart. Right. With fuel prices being high, he's thinking that he should get the boy's first car a bit early. Mm. This will give Justin the chance to give it a shakedown and squeeze every last drop of value out of it before he <laughs> hands it down for the abuse sure to come. So let me murder this, and then I'll <laughs> head to you when I'm done. That's right. Yeah. Here's a used up, <laughs> sorry, son, but it still runs. It barely. runs. There you go. He'd like it to be somewhat enjoyable to drive for himself, Justin writes, but something that wouldn't be ridiculous to hand down to a teenager. But here's also the kicker, and that is he's not a fan of a generic sedan. Mm. No Malibus, no Cruises, or Fusions, unless we can talk him out of that. Okay. So far, he's been thinking about Alpha Julias, mm. Volvo S60s, okay. Audi A5s, BMW 3 Series, Minis, that sort of thing. With a budget of about $15,000, hard stop at twenty. So the question from Justin to us is, what would be a fun car that would suit a traveling salesman for the first half of its life with you and the first time driver for the second or third of its life? Sure. He thinks he want a car with at least 50% of its life left. And then Justin will use 25% (laughs) of that and leave the rest for the kid. Okay. All All right. Or here's the other part of the story. Is his minister of finances edge the right option for their son. Interesting. Okay. That leaves the garage open for a brand new SUV. I have three options that I figured out. Good. Curious to know where you're at. Well, I, first off, I'm going to start with that Ford Edge. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that being the hand-me-down car. And you get your wife something new, probably with a better budget and nicer. Does she want to upgrade? That's actually my question. You say she's indifferent, but would she welcome that upgrade? She's about to be not indifferent. I, I think so. Or, or is she like, well, don't give him my Edge. Because she might be attached true, to it. She, she might not feel strongly about cars in general, but she'd be like, no, that's that's my car. Fair. Because yeah. I, I've seen this. We've seen this a lot. Significant others that aren't car people are still attached to their ride. We've definitely seen that. For a long time. Okay. So, yeah. so how does your wife, who's now listening, how does she feel about the Edge becoming that new driver's car? Is that okay or is that off the table? If it's okay, then I think that is a viable option. It's not a big, huge, monstrous SUV. 
it's an SUV, but it's not a big, huge monsters one. That is a perfectly safe and acceptable first kid's car. Okay, or kid's first car, okay? So I think that works. And then you get into options like, what about a brand new CX-5 for your wife? What okay. about a brand new RAV4? What about a hybrid RAV4? What about bringing her forward in technology? And mm-hmm. she has that now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that this is the answer, but I'm saying I think that is viable. Having said that, what do we get for you, Justin? <laughs> we, we just The pickup stays, gets you a fun little commuter for a while. Yeah. I want to I go opposite of what you have. <clears throat> So my requirements that I've added are manual transmission. Thank you. Because yes. I think, and I, and I feel this way with my son as well, I think when when the new driver starts driving, give them stuff to do and also give them a life skill. Totally agree. If you are busy with both feet and both hands because it's a manual transmission, it's a lot harder to hold and pay attention to your phone. Yes. And now they won't come away with a life skill. And also by doing all of that, you are involving them in what the car is doing. I can't get enough power. It's because I didn't change gears. Oh, I just killed it at the stoplight. Okay, I have to solve this. There's there's problem solving going on that engages them with the car and the driving that I think is important. You are a guy that is a traveling salesman, but you put miles down, which says to me you're not sitting in traffic. So I don't feel bad about getting you a manual either. True. Fair. You're doing yeah. distance. Yes. So what about a manual mini? You mentioned the mini. I think a manual mini would be great. Yeah. Get one of those yeah. in manual. You you don't have to. I mean, you're not going to get the big, crazy John Cooper works. You're going to get one of the, the more base ones, but that's fine. Also, the Corolla hatch in a manual. They're not selling anymore, but they're available used. Those are my top two for you. I think the Julia's interesting, and so are all of the other ones you mentioned, the S60, the A5, the 3 Series. I also f- feel like all of those are too nice and too big sedan for a first-time driver. I love the Julia. I talk about it all the time, but sure. I wouldn't get any of those cars for a first driver. I want smaller, manual, and engaging, and that's why I'm going to leave you at the manual Mini or the manual Corolla hatch. Those are excellent choices. I have three options, Justin. Option number one is the Acura TLX. Oh, interesting. That's actually cool. If you get a 2018 or newer, ideally the 2019 TLX V6 with technology package and 30,000 miles on it, they're twenty grand. I'm amazed they're down that far. They're 19.9. Bang That's on. Amazing. There's multiple versions of that. Okay. Not all of them are the V6, but they're reliable. They've got good style, new tech, good safety, mostly decent gas mileage, and they drive well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. They're, then they don't have big back seats, so you can't take friends. I'm sorry. Did I say <laughs> exactly. that out loudly? Okay. But option two does have big back seats. Uh-oh. And this is the option, Justin, that I think you need to consider and Brace yourself. I'm spending more of your money, mm. but I'm going to justify it. Okay. It is the Honda Civic Si 11th generation. Oh, now that's interesting. It's not that much more, but I did find today a slightly used Si with 4,800 miles in Peoria, Arizona for $29,394 mm. in blue. It's a sedan, but it's fun. Yeah. And to all of your points, Todd, it's manual only. Mm-hmm. I think you'll have fun driving it. Yes, he will. But then as the as your son starts to drive and get his learner's permit, he's going to start driving dad's car. Mm-hmm. And then that car will become his. And so he'll learn on the car that will eventually become his. And that's why I like this mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. He'll get used to it. He'll be riding with it, you in it. You'll feel the dynamics together. And again, this teaches manual transmission. So you're busy. Like you said, 
It's reliable, gets great gas mileage, fun to drive, and when you're ready to move on, it won't be the craziest insurance bill ever. True, true, yeah. It's only 200 horsepower, but it's got turbo goodness, turbo fun. Yeah, I wonder that how much that SI badge will it change that insurance question. It might some, might some but this is not this is not a Hoonmobile. Not but the, the car will have aged yes. a little bit. Yes. Civics are interesting because some generations of Civics, when they were new, so many teenagers were put in them. Mm-hmm. that the yeah. insurance was surprisingly high because parents bought Civics. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that that's still the case. I don't know that that's still a car. And, and the Civic SI, is a, you're right, because that, that here's the thing I love about it. That pulls off the current dad duty traveling salesman perfectly. Yes. But yet it's got all the right dynamics and safety and newness plus manual, plus manual. for first driver. That's it's good. got technology that you would want. It's got comfort. Yeah, it's great for it. road trips. Big back seat, great trunk space. It's a commuter, but it's fun. Bigger back seat than the bigger TLX, which yes. is inexplicable, and I will keep pounding on that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they're more. It's more money. You're yeah. going to have to add ten grand to your budget. I understand that. But I think it's going to be worth that money. I think you will enjoy, once you drive it all the time and you're commuting mm. and putting mm. that kind of mileage on it. By the way, that car will take the mileage you're asking for. For sure. I think you'll say, you know what, guys? Worth it. I Spent more, didn't love that, but all right. And this is the car your son will ride with you and mm. then eventually grow to know and that eventually will become his. And it won't be such an old, it's, it won't be an embarrassment. Sure, yeah. I mean, this is 16-year-old me talk and it won't be, because usually, <laughs> I'm sorry, Justin's son, but you don't have a choice in the matter. You don't. You get to drive whatever parents hand down to you and say, here you go. That's your first car. Here are the cars you're allowed to have. Here's when they're going to show up. Here's how much we're spending. Yes. You are welcome. All of that. Yes. But as a 16-year-old driver, there's still respectability with that car. Oh, you got a Civic Center? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Whether you tune it or not, that's okay. That's cool. And by then it'll be, you know, kind of used and like, right on. Yeah, that makes sense. It's an SI. It's, you know, a little bit of sport, manual transmission, right on. That's cool. And it's not going to be embarrassing whatsoever. I think it's going to carry, you know, cachet, maybe a, a small amount, but just it's it's honorable. It's respectable. And he's going to have friends that are going to be like, you can drive that? Yeah. <laughs> that has three pedals. What do you do with all of them? <laughs> also, do you live in one of those yes. states where, because Utah is one of those states, where a 16-year-old driver can't have anybody their own age in the car until they're like 18 unless yeah. it's family? I think that's really interesting. That was not a rule of the state when I became a driver. It was a rule of my parents. <laughs> the right. first year, they were like, yeah, you're in the car by yourself. Have a nice day. Yeah. But eventually, you know, he'll yeah. be able to take passengers and stuff and gear and road trips, and all that stuff. So I, th- I think that is the perfect car for you. But again, 10 grand more. And then now with option three, I'm going to spend even more of your money. If he wants it and your wife is willing, this option includes the edge being handed down. But then what do you buy your wife? Mm. I think she will be... Very much her mind will be changed. She will no longer be indifferent when you buy her an Acura MDX Type S. Oh, now that's that's a heck of a car. Hello. So that's a lot. That's money that he hasn't discussed yet, but that's an excellent car. Justin, brace yourself. There's $73,000. No. <laughs> I, I even knew when I still wasn't braced enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's no turning back. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. Because they drive in every category. Talk about space and hauling and amenities and comfort and how it drives. You will have to pry the keys out of her cold, dead hands. <laughs> they are they are very good. They're but so good. Yeah. I don't know that you brace yourself enough. Yeah. I mean, this is a long-term kind of thought. Maybe mm. the edge just gets sold. Maybe you go with the Civic SI route 
and then she keeps the edge for a while and then that gets sold eventually and then you know son moves out of the house and you eventually go for one of those but she will suddenly care about how cars drive after that thing i want to live in the world where you are where the budgets become what they become i want to live in that world i just want to have those budgets well then what is justin gonna buy true if the edge goes to number one son yeah and then wife needs an suv okay maybe it's not a something as highfalutin as that maybe it's something good and she she finds something else she likes but then what are you gonna buy are you still gonna commute in the truck justin it's hanging out for a while we'll see 700 horsepower man commuter vehicle yes (laughs) i'm sure it's remarkably efficient too yeah we've got to get you a z4 like Todd had. Oh, there you, you got to go. get you something inexpensive that you can just tool around in convertible for you and your wife. You just, yeah, something fun, cheap, manual, keep the truck, but you could take the, the convertible that just, Z4 on a nice day. Justin, you thought you were getting a question about a commuter for your, your soon to be driving son. And now we're off into fun cars. This is what happens on this podcast. We've we spent a hundred grand to, so far. You've spent at least a hundred grand. 30 for the Civic SI. Uh-huh, at least. We started the... with a hard cap of 20. We've got a full hundred grand out the door, but we've got a fantastic garage for Justin Boy, to process. Yeah. Look what happened. Do we have the lineup for you? All right. Well, Justin, let us know what you decide. Write to us for your debates, just like Justin's, or your Topic Tuesdays, or your current conclusions. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car, and instead of just thinking about go-fast parts, what about stop-fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included too. Power Stop is on a mission to provide complete and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today. Whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days, including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. Jeff is writing to us from New York. He is in desperate need of a manual transmission. That's really the thing that this entire discussion hangs on, Mm -hmm. is because wherever we end up, it must have a manual. And he's in New York. He needs a manual, but a car that is at least as quick as his current 135i. Mm, Okay. That's actually a fairly quick car. It is. He says he needs four seats, you know, not large enough for people, but he's got two dogs that he would like to be able to take with him occasionally. Okay. Something rear-wheel drive. He says he's in New York. We've acknowledged that, Mm -hmm. but he'll buy winter wheels and tires. Yay. Good. Good for you. A nice interior and modern technology like CarPlay. He currently has a 2013 BMW 135i convertible DCT that he purchased brand new. Okay. That's that's a cool car. It is a cool car. This was his first automatic, but it was a brand new leftover car. And he got almost $15,000 off of MSRP. Oh, wow. Because it had been sitting on the lot for a long time. In general, he really likes the car. And if it was a manual, he wouldn't be considering replacing it. And he doesn't drive much anymore since he now works from home and has only put about 26,000 miles on the car since new. Wait, hang on. Whoa, hang on. The car is 10 years old with 26,000 miles on it. And now he's working from home. So he's going to put even less on it now. If you would like to buy a 2013 BMW 135i convertible with 26,000 miles on it, please write to us. FDDriverTV at gmail.com. We'll pass you (laughs) along Jeff's email. Well, his wife has the more practical car, which is a 2022 BMW X3. Okay, so brand that's, new one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the longer trips if you need the storage. 
He would like this car to be practical enough to occasionally take longer trips, since now it's just used for mundane tasks or the weekend dinner date. Okay. The car history includes a 1986 CRX SI. Those were cool. Those are cool. were surprisingly cool. Those are one of those cars that got cooler the older they got. You know what I mean? When they were out originally, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a CRX. Totally. But the longer it's like, wait, that's, those are really fun. He had a 2001 Subaru 2.5 RS. Wow. 2004 Mini Cooper S. 06 Civic SI. Uh, he had a two-year lease. Won a two-year lease on an 07 Mini Cooper. So lots of Civics and lots of Minis. Wow. Okay, okay. 2014 BMW Z4 with the manual. He's had service issues and returned it within a year of ownership. Mm. And then the aforementioned BMW 135i. Hasn't shied him away from BMW since his wife has that brand new X3, though. Yeah, they're, they're kind of an all BMW garage, but that's all right. So the short list of cars that he's looking at are the 2023 M2. Hmm. I love how you list the, the good and bad for yes, every selection. I like how you kind of go into detail. And this is more, I think... For you, Jeff, than for us. Yes, for sure. Yeah. You're talking about uh, limited color selection. I don't like black, white, or gray. Blue doesn't look good, so that only leaves you red. But but he says it's a shorter wheelbase than the M3. Shouldn't that be really cool? It's it's aggressive looking. What and about the styling's a new M2? grown on him? It has grown on so, him. But meanwhile, speaking of styling growing, he says alternatively he could just do the bigger M3. He says it's more adult looking. It's bigger. He says the beaver teeth have grown on him, especially in certain colors. Okay, like a fungus. Anyway, great. he says great exterior and interior colors available. This is a car he could actually get with options, whereas we know the M2, let's be honest, it's been announced, but nobody has them yet. Nobody's no. getting them yet. You could go out and get yourself within some time, normal time frame, an M3. So he could get that. He said it's all pretty much the same weight as the M2, M4. You're right. They're all just, guess what, heavy. <laughs> and he said it's a four-inch longer wheelbase. Is it going to affect handling that much? I think you're still going to be very impressed. We've driven the M3. It is shockingly fast and good to drive. He's got the 2023 CT4 Blackwing on his list. That's a curveball. Okay. He likes the styling. Reviews seem positive regarding performance. Yeah. He's not sure about how well it will hold up long-term, and the interior probably isn't on the same level as the BMWs. For sure, but I can't say that it's probably a piece of junk. I mean, I, we had a base CT4 we weren't fond of, but the black wings are certainly better. Weren't fond of. I'm trying to be nice. I'm delicate. just, I'm trying to be nice. But it's on the test drive channel. Car. You want to hear us just go off. Paul, especially it was not, yeah. it was not our, our happiest day behind the wheel. I, I didn't like the exterior trim fit and finish. Mm. It was uh, misaligned is kind. We, we, and, and here's the thing. We like volume word. knobs, but there are competing volume knobs in the car. More than one volume knob in the car at once. I was, we, we actually show it on camera. Sorry, I'm off on a rant. We actually show on camera. We are in perfect sync. I'm turning the stereo down while Paul turns it up. And guess what? The volume stays the same. The it flickers and stays the same. Two volume knobs competing. There was also a, uh, a black hole that opened up. I think so, yes. Somewhere. That's and what the, the two volume knobs do, yeah. ripping sound that we heard was the time-space continuum. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened, and we never did it again. Well, Jeff is sure that we've noticed he didn't put any used cars here. He would love a Porsche. But there isn't a manual, he says, unless you go to a Carrera S, which is $120,000, and we're living in a world where slightly used Porsches are just as expensive as new ones. He thinks the Boxster and Cayman are a bit too small, okay. and the used prices are out of control. Yeah, a lot of things are, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, not just cars. He also really wants the car to be usable enough where it just doesn't sit in the garage. Okay. That's okay. important, because you work from home, You've got your wife's car, and 
yeah, it sounds like this car is rarely driven, even though you mm-hmm. want to replace it and you're willing to spend money on it. Yeah. But it's got to be compelling enough to make you Agreed. want to go drive it regardless. Agreed. Yes, for sure. Is there nothing else out there that offers a manual transmission or is there something that Jeff is missing? He thinks the 86 will feel underpowered. The Z and the Supra are too small. The Mustang will probably disappoint with fit and finish. And again, he keeps reminding us this car has got to be a manual. Mm-hmm. He says, even though the DCT on BMW is great, he really miss, misses shifting his own gears. And if he stays with an automatic or a DCT, he might as well keep what he's got. Because it's got no mileage and he loves it. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Get this. His MOF has said, Jeff can get whatever he wants with a budget of under $80,000. Okay. zero. All right. But, but, but she just doesn't want to hear him talk about it anymore. <laughs> he says he takes too long to purchase things. She's just like, okay, go get what you want. Please stop. We must talk about something else. Uh-huh. I have a list of things. Do you? Okay. And it's only going to feed your BMW disease. Oh, interesting. All right. I have a few things here. But Jeff, multiple S and 4S Porsche 911s are available under $80,000. I agree. I went and looked Mm -hmm. all 991.1s or 991.2 variants, but I just went and looked right now. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of them for sale. 80 grand is healthy. There's stuff for sale under 70, under 65. If you're wanting a 911 that is a fairly modern 911, you can go get one. You're not going to get the latest one. You're not going to get a GT3. No. But a mid-grade 911 with $80,000, just go get one. So if that interests you, Mm -hmm. yes, go get it. But you don't have to promise us. You don't have to promise us anything, but we want you to drive it. That's Mm -hmm. the whole point. Mm -hmm. You just, when you get it, it can't just be, hey, I've got it, and it parks in the garage, and Mm -hmm. then uh, it's winter out, and it's... Kind of nasty weather. I I should get the 4S. If that <laughs> would right. be the difference You're between right. you yeah, not yeah, yeah. driving it and you taking the car deliberately in a nasty storm, get the 4S. Mm, that's true. Pay the money. Get a 4S. Go driving. Take it out. Tell yourself, I want to see what this baby can do. Yeah. Winter tires. Winter tires. All-wheel drive. Guess what you're going to do? Get to the store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's you're going to accomplish uh-huh. the thing you wanted to do, you're going to be able to do. Guess what I just did? I drove here. The end. Uh-huh. If you're interested in 911s, I highly recommend them, but they're available for your budget. But what you've described, there's only one car to consider. Oh, wow. Okay. The 2011 BMW 1M. Now that's interesting. It's a BMW. Yeah. It's kind of rare. Uh-huh. He doesn't drive it that much, but True. we need to give True. him a reason to drive it. Yeah. Who doesn't want to drive a 1M constantly? It's the much better version of the car he has. The yes. much, much better version. You can afford one, and I hate to say it, but I don't know that that's going to go down in value too much more. And he likes a color. Get it in the orange. And you you said you like the car already. The only reason you're considering getting rid of that 135i is because the transmission. Mm-hmm. Here's one that's snortier and cooler and more amazing. You really love the dynamics. You already know the size. Fits and your life. It's my, it, honestly, I will tell you right now, I, I, I will stand on this having not even driven the new upcoming M2, the 1M will be more fun. Hydraulic steering. I agree. I smaller agree. footprint. That 1M is a very special car. I hadn't even thought of that. 50 less horsepower. I hadn't even thought of it's that. Like it's like the better, better version one. of the car you have. It, it is the definitive version of the car you have, <laughs> and it is in some ways a last gasp of BMW doing exactly what we all love them for yes. at the pinnacle. Yes. That's very good. I don't think I can top that, but that's very good. <laughs> I mean, they're expensive. Enthusiastauto.com is your place for shopping BMWs. If you want the nicest one ever. Hurt yourself. Yeah. Because you're going to spend too much time on there. 
Slightly more usable for the dogs is the 99 BMW M Coupe manual hatchback. The Z3 oh. shoe, only oh, the sure. M flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enthusiast Auto has one of those. It's like the world's nicest one, but... You, you know, could get a, a Z4 coupe for that matter. Pay half the money of your budget yeah. and get the next BMW. Mm. You'd love it. Mm. Staying within the BMW realm is the E90 M3 with a glorious V8, manual transmission, four doors, classic BMW style. Mm. And then, like you just said, that Z4 M coupe also came up on my radar. But I love all of those choices for you. But again, get the car that you know you will force yourself to take that you'll mm. choose to take over the X three. Dang it, honey. I forgot that other thing on the list. I'm going right yes. back out. Here I go. Are we out of milk again? I don't know. You're, you're, sta- you're standing dumping at the kitchen. it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> you're just pouring it down the sink. Well, darn it. We need milk. We're out of milk. And I think I need an apple pie and something else. What else do we need? Can I'm, I get I'm you gone. something, honey? I'm gone. That's yes. very good. Jeff, I don't think I did as well at this at Paul, but I, I want to talk about a few cars here that, that have not been mentioned. Okay. First off, I think your current or upcoming M2 versus M3, M4 debate is very interesting because I do think for your needs, yeah, if you like the the beaver teeth look of the M3, just get that because you can probably get one easier with a similar budget and faster than you're going to get that M2. Mm. So Mm -hmm. you could definitely get that, that new M3. I see that there. I'm very surprised... That you're not looking at used stuff because there's a lot of used stuff that works. I mean, you already talked about 911s and stuff. I love that 1M. The 1M is killer. I'm going to jump to my wild card real quick. (laughs) I'm kind of off in the weeds, but I did think totally different experience for you, Jeff, is a C7 Corvette. Oh, my gosh. With the dogs in the hatch. Oh, my gosh. Because you never said how big these dogs are. You said you want to take them now and then. Can the dogs fit in the hatch? Because they probably could because the hatch is big. A C7 Corvette. With the manual seven-speed is a totally different experience I think you would thoroughly enjoy. So I did think of that. That's full wildcard territory. That's interesting. The more, more along the lines of the stuff that, that matches what you've talked about, you already brought up a lot of BMWs. I'll add this one, the 335iS. That is the E90 generation of that car. You could get three of them for your budget. Yes, you could. You, a, a quarter of your budget gets you the nicest one out there. That is the slightly bigger version of that one series that you've got in manual with a great turbo. That's a really cool car. You already mentioned used 911s, Paul. That's really good. Have you thought about, I see your Blackwing. I raise you a Chevy SS. Interesting. Because, okay. And pay half. Exactly. You're not going to have the latest and greatest interior. I fully grant you that. But you didn't spend anything close to your budget. You spent maybe half. And you got the big Corvette V8, a six-speed manual, a lot of space. Anything you need to do in life, that car will do with surprising capability and a big V8 growl. Really, no Chevy SS. I mean, I, I yeah, see, I see yeah. your Blackwing, but here's the thing. I think the problem with the Blackwing is you're going to spend all your budget and be like, "This isn't nice enough." But if you spent half your budget and you had a Chevy SS, I don't think you're going to care. No. Plus, the interior is going to be coated in dog hair with the way you're going to do That's burnouts true. and cornering. So That's very true. Make sure you get that Covercraft back seat yes. protector for the dogs. Mm-hmm. Should we invent like? Dog Sparco, dog. Well, they dog they, Recaro. There, there, there are dog harnesses you can clip in. So get one of those. Like at least the dogs are going to need harness, to be tethered. But we need like bolstering and the go. dogs down in the thing, <laughs> so the dog can enjoy cornering too. The dog bolster, I do like that. That's very good. And then Jeff, I'm going to say something real quickly, and that is one of the things that you kind of keep circling in this discussion is this car needs to do stuff. Yes, but 
it needs to be fun. Mm-hmm. The big thing yeah. that you keep returning to with this 135i is you're not involved enough. It's not fun enough is what you're saying without saying it. It's just not a car that you get in because you're just like, oh, but this is, but this is just so fun. <laughs> okay? Yeah. That is the reason you buy the 86. I don't think you're going to okay. care that the 135 is more powerful because I guarantee you that the 86 you're going to find more fun. And I think what you're looking for deep down here is a car that, that Paul keeps saying it. You just want to go drive it. Yeah. It's so different than what you've had. It's so engaging. It is properly balanced now. It isn't a powerhouse. But you aren't disappointed by the power. Yeah. And because yeah. it's lighter and more involving than what you currently have, if nothing else, Jeff, you need to do everything you can to get a drive in one. Because I think in spite of it being down on power from all of our estimations and your Turbo 135i, I think it might be fun enough that you won't care. It's like having that car. We we put winter tires on that 86 when we first bought it, yeah. Jeff. Mm-hmm. And it did fantastic through winter weather. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, it's real low to the ground, low yeah. center of gravity, winter tires. So the days when it's just nasty slop, instead of being like, ah, oh, I don't want to take that car, you've got to be like, got to tell yourself, perfect weather yes it's sloppy and nasty and the worst possible conditions <gasps> i'm taking the new 911 4s i want to see what you can do i'm taking the 86 i'm taking any of these cars <laughs> yeah perfect yeah the 86 in the winter is a surprisingly good car oh, and i is. also there's also of course i'm just weird but i also just love the fun of getting out of that car somewhere people look at you like you're in that, especially here at Park City. Like How'd you get here? It's dumping snow and yeah. it's all SUVs and people are freaked out in winter coats and people are still somehow driving without winter tires. Yeah. And we climb out of a sports car. I'm like, hi, how are you doing? Like, how'd you make it here? I've had people tell me, I didn't know those were all real drive. I'm like, it's not. It, it, that's because it <laughs> that's isn't. That's where the conversation dies. I mean, yes, they, they don't get it. it. It's the greatest thing ever. On Facebook, Mitchell E., you have given me an idea for a Topic Tuesday. Oh, okay. When you asked... To compete better with the GR86, do we think Mazda should put the 2.5 liter in the Miata? Hmm. My thinking here is, for the Topic Tuesday, we need to debate endlessly. Should every car manufacturer build the ultimate car that will go up in value, that will surge demand? Everybody oh. wants it, just like Toyota's done with the GR Corolla. Sure. Everybody wants it. They, don't, they still can't articulate why, but mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. yes, maybe you can. I just have to have that car. I have to have a GR86. Yes, I think every car manufacturer should think about and build the ultimate version of what really the really car that you just want. People just want it. You want the 1M thinking applied to all sports cars. Yes. Yeah. Because they're all going to make SUVs and hot yeah. hatches. Yeah, yeah. Cadillac's making hot hatches, if you haven't heard. And then there's this one. <laughs> Sorry, I just love that being a hot hat. Can we somehow get in one of those and say casually would we give it back? That's a great hot hatch. Powerful little hot hatch there. Well, I guess it isn't little. The wheelbase is twice as long as the Expedition, but still. Anyway, yes. Ten bucks if they bring back the Alante name. Alante Q or something oh with Q at the end. Ten the bucks. Al- the right Alante now. Atlantique. Everything's better with a Q on the end. Uh They're going to buy BMW's rights to the name Atlantique and put a Q at the end. What about about the Eldoratique? Eldoratique. There it is. Yes. Eldoratique. Oh, that's terrible. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mitchell, I have a factual other thought on this Miata dilemma, and that is, you know what? Mazda doesn't care right now because the 86 doesn't come as a convertible. Hmm. 
if Toyota point. releases the 86 as a convertible, Mazda will sit up and pay attention. <laughs> will flip out. But until then, they are the game. If you would like yeah. an affordable two-seat convertible, I'll walk you over here to Mazda. They're the game. <laughs> That's true. Well, continuing that line of thinking, Seth K asks if a soft top ND Miata and an RF ND Miata are they different enough that one could own both, not violate our rule of owning two of the same car? Well, see, I'm going to give it a hall pass, Seth. Are you really? I, totally, because I want to have two versions of the Cayman. I'll let you, Seth, have the, both versions of the Miata if you'll let me have uh, the Cayman GTS and I add a GT4 RS at the same time. They're two different. It depends on my mood and the music I'm going to play and what am I doing? Am I tracking? Am I just cruising? What am I doing? Seth, hard no for me. <laughs> Come on. Hard no. Come that is, on. It's the same car. And here's the thing. I, I love the RF. I think it is one of the sexiest designs in a long time. I think it's going to age like the E-Type and the 300ZX. I think it is that good. But if you're a person who just wants a soft top Miata, by the way, it's better for wind buffeting in the soft top than the than the RF. I love the RF, but when the top down is down, that that Targa, there's a lot of wind buffeting. Unfortunately, also I don't fit. By the way, so that car's off off the books. <laughs> there's that. There is that. Unfortunately, but um, the thing about the soft top is, if you like the soft top Miata, just get that and be happy. There's uh, are, one of them. One of the there there's there two. They're the same car. The same car with a roof option. It's like I bought this year's 911 and I bought this year's 911 Targa. Stop it. <laughs> I have the super automatic and the super manual. Stop it. <laughs> Come on. Well, the driver's seat photographer has an out of left field question. Which cars star in the automotive version of Lord of the Rings? Oh, see this. I have to take some time on this. Okay, keep going. Gandalf, Bilbo, and Gollum. Which cars personify these characters best? I don't know about the other two, but I do have Gandalf. Okay, great. I got Gandalf down. The Celestique. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying. I want Cadillac to resurrect one of their old names, the Cimarronique. Cimarronique. <laughs> that is terrible. Something, and put a Q on the end. Uh-huh. Call it good. No, no, no. Gandalf is old, British, and small. An original Mini Cooper. Maybe. See, that feels more like a hobbit to me, though, because it's oh, so little. All right. Okay, but hang on. But he's small because no, of the perspective I, of camera. You've no, explained hang on. that before. Yes. No, but no, Gandalf is the wizard. He's big. I'll give it to you. The original Aston Martin Lagonda is Gandalf. Okay, I guess he's big. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The original Lagonda with the crazy screens in it and nobody nobody could find him. It was this weird spaceship out of nowhere. That's Gandalf. That's pretty And the original Mini is, is, that's Frodo. Okay, that's Frodo. You're right. There we go. We've got those two done. (laughs) Had to work through this. Now, Gollum's a Yugo. He's little. He's questionable. I was thinking the ugliest car imaginable, so you know, Which I'm was way what? off base. Any beaver teeth to BMW. Well, like, I, thought, I thought you were going to Pontiac Aztec as your Gollum. Okay, <laughs> sure, but Gollum is like the new M2 or the beaver. Yeah, but see, Gollum is old too, so I, I feel okay. like you know he he might be an old Yugo. It's like you, you <laughs> oh, can't goodness. like a Yugo. What is that? That used to be something. What is it now? Gollum okay. is from the Redwood era. Anyway, that's interesting. I we could keep going, but we probably should stop there. That that is it. It's almost a topic Tuesday. I'd have to get the list of characters and work on it for Let's a see, bit. Now you can apply that to all the movies. Let's do all the movies. New Let's line do ever all did. the movies. That's terrifying, actually. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to go with uh, Jorge is asking on Instagram. He says uh, the new two series video has him wondering: Do we ever have uncomfortable conversations with manufacturers when we tell them that the previous version was better than their new one? Uh, not. Um, we don't publicly have those conversations, but we do know that manufacturers really, really don't like that conclusion. It's one of the reasons they typically don't back. 
these big series of videos that we want to do. The Corvette, the 911, yeah, the BMW. They yeah. don't really want to be a part of them because they're worried about exactly this. We're going to say, well, two generations back was the definitive one. And now we've, you know, we're not where we should be. They're not a big fan of it. What you do see, and they did it with the Jaguar F-Type. Mm-hmm, you do mm-hmm. see we rolled out the F-Type and then we rolled out the E-Type. Because they're so far apart in era that there's no way you're really going to compare them. I can't roll out the just prior XKS or okay. whatever. I so can see that. you also right. notice that that uh, Porsche didn't do a lot of here's the last definitive manual uh, transmission hydraulic steering 911 next to our new one with a DCT and the electric <laughs> st- steering. They didn't do a lot of that either. It's true for these reasons. They're not fond of it. We do it anyway because we want you to know. Ben on Facebook has a question for me. Ben, you're a little bit ahead of reality here. And he says, uh, has my son started driver's training yet? Oh, my gosh. Uh, My son is almost 13. (laughs) Now, because he's my son, yes, he started driver training under me. Let's see. He's driven the Cayenne. He drove the Phaeton. He drove the Z4, which, yes, had a manual. At the end of our day, we taught manual transmission. He'd been standing there all day. And so we went around the parking lot. He got it moving in first a few times. He's driven a good number of our cars. We actually have a, a garage behind our house now, and so you have to drive cars around the house, and I keep letting him drive cars around the house, much to my wife's terror, because there is that corner you have to clear. Okay? <laughs> so he has driven a number of things slowly, but as far as like official driving out of a parking lot or anything legit, no, we're just, we're not, he's big enough, but we're not there yet because he's just about to be 13. So give me another year or two, and it'll get serious. Taylor Caldwell asks why the BMW design team is ruining all of the vehicles. <laughs> are they ruining ones that they didn't even make? Because that's impressive. <laughs> why are they not listening to the customer's disgust? You know, Taylor, it is my goal to have heads of design on the podcast. Not so we can surprise them and do the gotcha. I mean, you're usually associated the hard-hitting journalism with gotcha questions and it's not very nice sure we're not here to shame or well maybe in the case of that well we'll see i I waffle on that but still (laughs) that's that's a safe space no it's not no it's (laughs) not not. we have daggers it's terrible but still i i want to ask those questions but i want to ask it in a nice way i want to get at the thinking and and you know what i hope i don't know in the case of bmw but i hope that there would be a story Mm. The backstory that none of us are hearing, the things that, you know what the inspiration was and you know what the market is and here's the market. And maybe there are designers and certainly at every car company around the world, there's employees who disagree with the styling of their new products, yet it is their job and they are paid Mm -hmm. to market it and promote it or sell it or be involved in the production of it. There's no guarantee because the entire company is not consulted. True. As to True. Yeah. here's the new model of the new pickup truck or the new, ideally all the employees love it and take pride in it and not just BMW. Like I said, every car company on mm-hmm. the planet, but there are always going to be people privately who think, you know what, that is just uh, not my taste, but you know what? It's the new thing and I'm here. I'm paid to promote it or market it. And that's fine. Yeah. It's part of your job. But the design team's job is ultimately to make those decisions. That's why they're staffed with professional designers who understand what the car market wants, what the design brief says, and here's Mm -hmm. the result. What I learned as a designer was to not give CEOs when they hire you as a consultancy for design work. You don't give them option A, B, and C. You give them the design. They Mm. hired us Mm. for our expertise. 
They want us to design a new piece of furniture or a new product. Mm. I'm not giving them three options. So the CEO who doesn't really know what they're looking at and doesn't quite understand production processes might not understand much about it, but likes a little bit of option A. And could you combine that with a little bit of option C and sprinkle some B? I like that part of B in there and sprinkle that in there and Mm -hmm. come up with the next design. That's where the design fails spectacularly Mm -hmm. because the design team says, no, 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 no. You've hired us for a job. You've hired Mm. us for our expertise and you're paying us a lot of money for that. Here it is. And whether that CEO likes it or not, that's what the design firms stand on. Interesting. That doesn't always happen. Yeah. There's a lot of back and forth. And ultimately, it's the person paying the bill that gets to make the decision. I know that. But what design consultancies really want to do is stand on the fact that you came to us. You're looking for the design. Mm. We told you. (laughs) after all of our research and all of our time, six months of ideation and creation and traveling the world and looking at markets and, you know, figuring out production processes here. It is interesting, but when it's in house, there's a lot of layers of management Mm -hmm. and there's a, there's too many cooks. And I think BMW personally is way off the rails in just about every car they're producing now, stylistically speaking. Mm. The technology is amazing. The construction is world class. Mm-hmm, the materials mm-hmm. are beautiful. And lot of lot parts of the styling are actually really excellent. But you're right. I, I can't understand it either. And I'd love to ask the question and maybe get that story about, huh, what all right. I mm. I guess I hadn't considered that angle before and I'm I'm open minded enough to to be willing to go with that. I just don't like it, but you know what? That was an excellent answer and okay. You know, we're going with it. Keep in mind, we just had this car debate from Jeff who said in the middle of his car debate that the M3, M4 Beaver Teeth look has grown on him. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only thing that's going to happen here is going to be people voting with their wallets because we can Ultimately all rattle sabers and talk about it. And the, one of the reasons Paul and I keep talking about it is because we know that if we just go silent and say this all looks fine – then the conclusion is we'll see people like it because nobody's complaining anymore. <laughs> this is all fine. But the, we've also run, uh, how do I put this? We've run on the wrong side of super BMW fans who just can't believe that we would make any comment other than, well, BMW is showing us the way. Kind of like the other side of your design consultant thing, Paul. Mm-hmm. There are some BMW fans who are going, I didn't like it either, but I trust BMW, so this must be how they're supposed to look. Well, we have actually gotten like angry letters from those folks that are like, well, we're supposed to come along. And I want to go back to the Bangle era. Mm-hmm. The reason that the Bangle era didn't continue and the reason that Chris Bangle didn't stay at BMW is because BMW didn't like the the chatter that was happening and they didn't sell enough cars that looked like his cars did. So the only thing that's going to change the current styling direction is if BMW isn't selling enough cars. But if enough people decide that they like this and are embracing it and they sell enough cars, this will be the direction. Taylor, I just read an article that I highly recommend reading from Christopher Butt written about a year ago on the website design-fieldtrip.com, specifically about the BMW XM concept car. Mm. And this article is a year old because the XM hadn't actually been released yet. It was still in concept. But Christopher lays out the reasons why he believes that BMW is kind of off the rails, and he Mm. lays it out in an articulate way. And he ends with the paragraph that says, in addition to eradicating traditional automotive design values, the BMW XM, this most destructive automobile, symbolizes self-deception of the highest order 
And so its creators must feel great pride for doing this. I mean, he eviscerates them. Wow. This okay, is other. big time. You're right. He's saying what kind of we're all feeling, even though I've heard increasingly, like you said, Todd, there's a lot of people who have kind of said, I actually kind of like it. So Come around, yeah. Ultimately, beauty is in the eye, right? Mm-hmm. And all it comes down to is, you're going to buy it? Maybe not because of style. And style is such a big part of car ownership, yeah, even increasingly yeah. so, that you'd think BMW would acknowledge that, but it doesn't seem like they have at this point. But I do think it's interesting. While this, the beaver teeth was originally argued for cooling, we now have that huge look on the electric cars, which don't need the cooling. No. And then also, interestingly, it isn't on all of their internal combustion cars, i.e. the new 2 Series and the new M2, do not have the beaver teeth. Now, I don't think those cars became beautiful. Like, for example, the M3, M4, I think, is a gorgeous car from just about every other angle but the nose. Especially that shooting brake, the wagon version we have, of the M3. Yeah. Freaking awesome. And then we have over here the M2, which doesn't have the beaver teeth, but I think doesn't quite look right otherwise, mm-hmm. which is a weird combo to go the other direction. So it's not even like they have in the Bangle era, there was at least, at least, what I better way to put it, it everything had flame surfacing. Mm-hmm. Didn't always work, but everything had the exact same flame surface flow to it, which created some interesting shapes, worked best on the Z4 and worst on probably the 5 Series or maybe the mm-hmm. 8 Series, okay? <laughs> yeah. But they all had that same kind of flow, the flame surfacing. Here, we don't even have consistency. <laughs> Taylor, it just struck me as we're talking, BMW wins because we're talking about them. You're right. That is the they beginning just won. and end right now. You're right. Mr. Singleton asks about winter tires because hmm. it's almost winter tire time yeah, again. It is. Do you keep the same factory recommended tire PSI or do you change the PSI in the tires for winter time? Sometimes you get the narrower winter tires than factory size. The best thing you can do is look at your owner, owner's manual. Mm-hmm. That's always the place to start. Yep. There's no guessing. There's no internet searching. You look at your owner's manual because many times they will specify the winter tire, not mm. just the size, but the PSI as well. Yeah. You can also look yeah. on the door card on, on your door jam, but the best place always to start for any car is always the owner's manual. And you can always dig further if it doesn't quite give you the information you're looking at. Generally speaking, I haven't changed tire pressures in the winter. Keep it a pretty much about the same, yeah. but just the fact that you switched to winter tires makes all the difference. For sure. We really appreciate all your questions. Write to us, as I've said, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And remember, episode 750 is coming at us in mm-hmm. four episodes here. That is the all non-car questions episode. It'll so be a live YouTube piece. Live yeah. stream, live YouTube on our Test Drive channel. So get ready for that. Looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>